morning. Can you hear me okay? <laughs> it's good to be back after a wee holiday. I don't know if uh, you've all had a little bit of a break. It's 16 days until the schools go back. <laughs> I counted today. I was like, I can't wait. <laughs> I just thought I'd share that with you. Um, I don't know if we can turn this down a wee bit, Matthew. It's a bit of an echo. Or just down a little bit. Is that a wee bit better? So it's not too much of a distraction. Um, but yeah, the joys of the school holidays, isn't it? I wanted to um, share something with you. We, we did our family holiday kind of at the beginning of July. And this was the first time we've done holiday in quite a while, maybe since kids, I'm not sure, where Wimbledon was on. I don't know any Wimbledon fans here, or am I just talking to myself this morning? <laughs> Yay, I've got some people here that share my passion of tennis. <laughs> I remember just so many late night ma matches, my kids were in bed, it was wonderful just to be able to watch, even that Andy Murray game that went right on. Um, even though he lost, but that was okay. You know, still good entertainment value when you're watching sport. But one of the things that I loved and was the highlight was definitely the men's final. You know, here we have Djokovic, who's been dominating British tennis, eh, not British, just tennis in the world <laughs> for so many years. And you have this young 20-year-old lad who's fighting for number one, world number one place. And this tournament was going to mean everything to him and sometimes when you look at these old guys I know they're not old he's only 37 but he's old in tennis you're thinking come on let somebody else have a shot would, would you, is anybody else voting for the underdog yes <laughs> you're like you've won you've stood here with trophy after play after cup after cup come on let this young guy have a chance I remember just watching it and saying to my children, right, mummy is busy, okay? So don't disturb me for the next hour. <laughs> and uh, just sitting there in the first set, he was just getting hammered, this young guy, Carlos Alcaraz. It was just like Djokovic just won every game and then you're just like feeling completely deflated, thinking this is going to be an awful final, you know? It's going to be a walk in the park. And this poor young guy must have been, he's done plenty of grand slams and been in them, but maybe just not one. He must have been nervous, but he managed to get control of his mind and get his thoughts together. And then he just had to write off the first set. And then the second set happened and back in the game. It was very exciting. The hardest bit was having to take Evie to the park because I thought this is going to be five hours. This is going to be a long game. I can't expect my children to entertain themselves for five hours. So off I went to the park in the third set, watching my phone, looking for every bit, and then coming back and sitting with my seven-year-old for him picking up the trophy. But what an incredible match. And I tell you, there was lots of celebration in the house. I've been waiting for years for my children to catch my passion for tennis. And I think it happened this holiday. <laughs> so it was really good. So Zara was playing loads of tennis this holiday. <laughs> not with me or daddy, because I'm not as good as him. <laughs> but do you know, there was just lots of celebration in our home on that particular day. Because we love tennis. We love to celebrate when somebody new has just been given that chance to, to make it, to do something that's never been done before. And in some respects, it's like passing the baton on to the younger generation. And I just love that. He just has to do it again. Hopefully, he can. But it's amazing how passionate our country are when we're watching our favorite sporting event, particularly when we're playing at a competitive level. And one of the questions I want to put to us today is, you know, do we share that same passion with our faith? I know it's a hard one, you know, sport, faith, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But come on, you know, people talk about people shouting and getting excited at football matches. Do we get excited about church? And this morning, I just want to help us get a little bit of perspective on just where we're at and what God is doing. So in Nehemiah chapter 12, I don't know if um, for some of you, it may be your first time here or visiting this week and hearing our, our kind of series on Nehemiah. For others of you, you've sat through all the six weeks Um, But this is the last one, and it's kind of at the climax because the walls are finished, the walls are built. But this Nehemiah 12 is all about celebration and worship, the rebuilding and the resettling. So I want to give you a little bit of background information just to help you understand kind of where we're at with all this, okay? Nehemiah had a strong calling for those that are just new and we're just looking at this book, had a strong calling to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And if you've, you've been here, you would have heard all the different things that we've shared about that. But the strong theme that have been coming through all the scriptures that we've been sharing with you over these weeks is that God was with him. God provided for him. And God brought a whole people together to get involved in the midst of all this. And when we look at this passage, and we look back at chapter eight, you know, when these walls are built and then we start having the reading of God's word, it's a bit like revival is taking place. It's very exciting. (laughs) You know, as people are hearing the word of God being read or the laws of God being read in the Old Testament, they're starting to respond, okay? With repentance, with obedience, They're starting to experience God and things are starting to change. We see God renewing and reforming his people. These people have been in exile and they've all come back. And Nehemiah chapter 11 and 12 is all about these people as they process this whole spiritual awakening that they've been experiencing. The amazing worship, celebration and dedicating the wall is at the heart of this chapter and what we were going to be looking at. But then just to give you a little bit of background, there's been more things happening, you know, because in order for you to have a big celebration and to get excited about this completion of the walls, you need people to be there to celebrate with you. And when we read chapter 11, we recognize that there's not a lot of people living in Jerusalem at that time because it would have been in ruins. It wouldn't have been a very nice place to live. People who were coming back from exile Probably you would have preferred to live in the outskirts, maybe. There'd be rubble everywhere. People wouldn't want to move into a place like that. It wouldn't be very attractive. The leaders were there, but there was more needing to be done to bring this city to life. So and under Nehemiah's leadership, they cast lots so that one out of 10 eh, families and people would come and live in Jerusalem. And it's kind of like painted a picture I wonder if people had this picture of Jerusalem. You'd be reading about it. You'd be listening to the scripture all about Jerusalem and about King David and King Solomon building the temple and how amazing it was because this was where you went to experience God's presence. And then here it's all in ruin. But then it's coming back to life again. It's exciting. When Jerusalem started to repopulate, I wonder if Nehemiah had this picture. He would have had this picture. His heart was just to restore the holy city with whom King David 
his son had built the temple, Solomon. They would have read about the priests who would have experienced the presence of God. David would have brought the Ark of the Covenant back. You can read about that in 2 Samuel. This was a history that needed to be restored. And with the temple, with its ceremonial systems of worship, with priests and sacrifices, it was for all the people bringing access for everybody to God. The restoration of communion with God truly was going to mark the end of the exile for God's people. You know, when I think of this journey that the people have been on, you know, I do think of us and our church and kind of where we're at because it has been a rough kind of ride over these last three years. But do you know what? I was really encouraged as I was reflecting, and I hope you are encouraged too, because God is with us. God is looking after us. God has provided for us through all the change and all the transition we've experienced. We could have easily been another statistic of another church that's closed its doors. But no, that's not us. That is most definitely not us, but through the intercession of the people here. The people here's commitment, all of you, your commitment to God, to each other, to serving, to get involved, the reading of scripture, listening to God's word. We have seen God move. One of the privileges of being a pastor is just hearing the stories in the background of what God's been doing in people's lives. I wish I could share everybody's stories, but I can't. And hopefully in time, you've heard some already, we've had more baptisms over this last year than I can ever remember being here. <laughs> I've been here a while. <laughs> it's very exciting. The covenant service that we had early in the year marked our commitment to God and to each other. And I don't know what you're praying for, but I'm praying for revival. Is it just around the corner? Would you like to see that? Wouldn't that be really exciting? What's one of the signs of revival? I believe it's our God-centered worship. And that's what we can learn from these people. Here we have the return of the priests and the Levites and many who are related in some way to Jerusalem's temple worship. In chapter 12, we have all the detail about this worship celebration itself, and you can read about it all. Heather read it today, um, just there. Do you know what's incredible when you read about it? Because you try to imagine what it would look like. <laughs> like painting the scene, it's full of imagery, careful, orchestrated music. What would that have been like? You know, we've got purification happening. We've got singing, the priests and the Levites following the laws of ceremonial cleansing required for the people to approach God in the holy place. And then with Nehemiah directing it all comes these two great choirs of thanksgiving. Apparently one starts at one end of the, the city walls and one at the other end of the city walls and then they're kind of moving around until they come together at the south. And then they all come together, Nehemiah reading the other group, trying to get my head around it all, <laughs> just painting this big picture of them all coming together to worship God. It must have been incredible to think of what these people had been through, to think of their encounter with the living God, to think of what this revival was looking like. There must have been this amazing sense of, wow, God, you are amazing, to remember the critics that said, you will never build that wall again. <laughs> what are you doing? You're wasting your time. But to be standing there, in that whole act of worship together as a people of God, to thinking, wow, 
God, you're truly incredible, amazing, awesome, big. Yeah, it could have seemed impossible, but it wasn't because God was there in it all. There was singing. There was more sacrificing. It's a big celebration of joy. And when you look at verse 33, if you've got your Bibles, look at verse 43 in chapter 12. It says, Many sacrifices were offered on that joyous day, for God had given the people cause for great joy. The women and children also participated in the celebration, and the joy of the people of Jerusalem could be heard far away. What a witness. What a celebration. You know, joy. Do we know what that is? <laughs> when I think of coming to church and waking up in the morning and thinking, yeah, I'm so excited about coming to worship God today. Or is it, I've just fallen out of my bed. I've just argued with my whole family. I made it. <laughs> and that's okay if that's you. <laughs> you know, it's great because we come to church just to encounter God's presence and for things to change. But we need to celebrate more. We need to see our act of worship together as celebration. I remember meeting this woman and she was just the most, um, oh, just the most prayerful woman you've ever met. She was going through a divorce in um, a church in Glasgow that I went to many years ago. She, she just had this radical encounter with God. She came to faith. Her husband wasn't a Christian. And uh, anyway, she decided just to live with him. He was an alcoholic for many years and then he went to AE and then he had his own group of people and she had her church and then she thought, no, I'll stay married to him, God. This is what you've called me to do. And one day he said, I think we just need to divorce and go our separate ways. So she was absolutely devastated about this. But she thought, okay, well, I have no control over this. We'll go about it. It's all amicable. You know, we're not going to, there's no bitterness or anything. And then she starts to pray and she starts to just ask God to lead her and guide her and all of the, 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 the situation that was in front of her. I remember she was in my house group and she's like, right, can we all start praying? for a new house. We've got to sell our house and then we've got 50-50 of the money and then we have to get our separate houses. Now, when you've got a house and you're spending it 50-50, it isn't really a lot of money to be able to get two separate houses or two flats. I think that's what they were going for. But she said to her husband when the sale went on the house, she says, now, we've not to be greedy, okay? Because God is looking after us. And I think he really respected her and he was like, okay, we won't be greedy. We've not to go with the highest offer. We've to go with the one that I feel God says we've to go with. So all these offers went in and there was big offers coming in and she says, I've not to go with that one. We have to go with that one. And he went, okay. So that's what they did. <laughs> and then they got their money split 50-50 and I remember, just, I remember just thinking, oh, wow. So she's like, every week, can we pray for a, a flat? Can we pray for a flat? And she'd taken on this girl who was like 16 years old who didn't have a, a loving family or the family were very dysfunctional. And she says, when I get my new house, you can come and live with me. I think she was maybe 18 by this point. So the two of them are going to live in this house together because, in effect, she'd made this girl family. And uh, they went around looking at all these houses and, and stuff, and she had a dream one night. And the dream had gold writing on the wall. So she told us at the house group, she said, I don't know what this was, but I had this dream about gold writing on the wall. I'm like, this is amazing. I said, well, we'll pray that you'll find a house with gold writing on the wall. Sounds a bit out there. So she goes into this ex-council flat one day. She had a list of everything that was really important to her as she was going through this divorce. And uh, she went and, and she walked into this house and the girl who was with her just went like that and whacked her. She went, look, there's gold writing on the wall. <laughs> that had this mural above the fireplace and it had gold writing on the wall. Not that it was something that she wanted. And she was like, this is the house. 
They'd already put in offers of maybe three or four and they hadn't been accepted. So they started to chat to the, the person that they were going around the house. Anyway, to cut long story short, they got the house. And I remember just as a house group, we celebrated. We just thought this is incredible how God just pulls through for people. When you're just faithful as part of your act of worship, you're living your life for him and being faithful to that. Not to be greedy, not to get the biggest offer, but just to be true to what God is calling you to do. She was so full of joy. She was this woman that you just wanted to be around. <laughs> and that's what happens when we experience joy. Joy is not a feeling because, oh my goodness, if it was a feeling, we'd be up and down all day. Joy is a spiritual gift. It only but comes from God. And when we worship God, joy is an outpouring of our worship to God. When we come into God's presence, joy falls. It's amazing to see people experiencing the joy of the Lord. And what a witness. It talks about in the end of verse 43, the women, the children, they all participated. But people from all over were hearing about all what was happening in the city. Do you know, I do think there's something incredible about the big event. You know, I think if we're seeking after the big event all the time, it's maybe not the best thing, but... There is something really powerful when you bring thousands of Christians together to worship God. Has anyone ever been in a gathering with thousands and thousands of other Christians? I remember being in my 20s and there was a band, I'm going to show my age now, called Delirious. And they had never come to Scotland. <laughs> and they were playing in Newcastle, I don't know, some big town, city hall or whatever. It was a massive venue. I remember a whole bunch of my friends listening to all their, 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 their albums, their worship albums, and just really encountering God through their, their music and their worship and thinking, I just want to go and see them live. I would just love to go and be in a room as they lead us in worship and lead us into the presence of God. There was a wee group of us. I think one of my pals had just passed his driving test, and we were in a Ford Fiesta, a really old banger, you know, type of thing. We're like, let's go to Newcastle. We had no idea how to get there. We had a map. We had whatever. We were just going to go. <laughs> and the inevitable happened. We spent hours getting to Newcastle. We got lost. Anyway, this meeting, this uh, concert, we had tickets, probably started about half seven, so we turned up at, like, I don't know, half, nine o'clock. I mean, it was incredible. You travel all this way to go and see something. And you turn up really, really, really late. But I remember not caring. I just thought, I need to get in. I just want to go in and just ex experience the worship of God's people because their music was so anointed. I remember walking through the door and sitting up in the balcony and there were thousands of young people and standing there on their faces before God and God's presence and thinking, wow, God, I want more of that. To go into a room and just be hit by the presence of God and just stand there and not be able to move. It was only 40 minutes, but it was the most amazing 40 minutes. I've remembered it for the rest of my life. That's what it would have been like in this gathering when you think of what these people had been through. The walls had been finished. God's work had been done. There was something else going to happen. It was like a new start. It was exciting. They were full of joy. There's going to be worship. There's going to be celebration. Now, we know that worship is not just singing. The Bible talks really clearly is that to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Our whole lives and how we live our lives is an act of worship. 
When we think of worship, we tend to think of our own praises, our own experiences, our own responses. And yes, this is all important. But biblical worship is God-focused. It's grounded in what God has done for us. And I want you to think for a moment, what has God done for you? Because in our Scottish culture, we're very easy to forget what God has done. What has God done for you? Have a think. These people had been worshipping. They'd encountered God's presence. In previous chapters, they'd come under the reading of God's word, God's laws, the merciful deeds on behalf of the people. They're full of it. And that's why they're singing songs of thanksgiving to God. This is worship in God's place, according to God's law, and the overflow of this comes the joy from God himself. What an amazing picture of revival. But we all know that revival starts with us. You know, I've been coming to their, our prayer meeting at the church and we've had about six people coming. So in faith, I'm going to put out 20 seats this week. Okay, come, come join us. Do you know, I never think of anything more exciting than coming to a prayer meeting. I go away completely blessed. I'll pray if there's just one other person. Where's Viv? Are you there? Didn't we have a great time on Tuesday? We were singing God's praises. I wasn't playing my guitar. It was all good. <laughs> come join us. Make that sacrifice. Come out on Tuesday night and just spend time in God's presence. It's amazing. That's the start of just making ourselves available and putting ourselves in a place. And sometimes if you think, oh, I'm, I'm not doing very well in my walk with God and I'm feeling a bit rubbish about this, just throw yourself at a prayer meeting. That's what I did as a young person. Surround yourself by people that are really passionate about prayer and worship and you'll catch on quite quickly and then you'll catch that enthusiasm and you'll catch that passion because it's really, really infectious. And one of the questions I just want to ask is do you share the same passion for your faith as the other things in life? And if the answer is no, I just want to ask you, do you want to? And if so, we start with the reading of scriptures, we start with thanksgiving, we start with coming around people that carry God's presence, people that are full of joy, recognizing who God is, confessing our sin. You've got it all here in Nehemiah chapter 12 when you look at their worship. And when I look at Nehemiah, I can't, we can't talk about all the, the, the sacraments and the ceremonial things without talking about how the Old Testament points us to the New Testament. Isn't it good that we don't have to kill animals to come and worship God? Because Jesus' blood was shed for each and every one of us. So we can come freely now when we look at what God did for us. For God loves us so much that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The fact that we can come into God's presence and we can come freely to God ourselves through the power of the Holy Spirit and we can confess our sin. We can encounter God. We don't have to go through a priest. We don't have to go through all the ceremonial things. But God is looking for commitment. We encounter the Holy Spirit 
the power source of our faith. Joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness. It's a beautiful picture of our worship of God. I encourage you, get involved in what God's doing here. Join with us in the rebuild of Sterling Baptist. I'm excited. What do you think things will look like in a year's time? When I think of a year ago, when I think of where we're at now, and then I think of the future, and I think this is exciting. As we worship him together this morning, know that God is a great big God, a powerful God that loves us. He's with us. He provides for us. And and together every day, as we go about our lives, we can experience his presence and better still, his joy. It's exciting when we come together with other Christians and we worship God together. It's exciting when we come together to pray for what's on God's heart. It's exciting when we interact and go into each other's homes and share what God's doing, even if it's just in a one-on-one. That's okay, we still have to be talking about it. What's God doing? I'm going to ask George. George felt he wanted to share something this morning. George, come on up and share. When God's doing things in our life, he just wants to encourage you this morning. Come and share, George. Right. You all know, two or three weeks back, I said the Lord gave me a job. Right? You all knew the Lord gave me a job. And you all know what the job really entailed. Motorbikes. Which is close to my heart. What I didn't understand was how the job isn't a job. The job has become a joy. Right? I'm sitting there this morning and the Lord said to me, there's two people in here today who need encouragement. There may be more. I don't know. Maybe every single one of us needs encouragement. But there's two people in particular who need encouraged. And the Lord wants to encourage you. Now, I don't know who you are. It doesn't make any difference to me who you are. The Lord says he loves you. And he wants to encourage you in what you're asking him. This has been a brilliant service this morning. really has. Weigh your need before him. (laughs) I'm choked up. (laughs) Weigh your need before him. Just as I laid my need before him. I said, Lord, give me a job, please. Give me a job that I can enjoy. Lord saying to you, whatever it is, he wants you to enjoy it. It's an encouragement. Thank you. Let's pray together. If that's you, go and chat to George after or come and chat to ourselves. But let's just take a bit of time for still. We've got time this morning.
Father God, I just thank you for your presence. I thank you, God, that you meet us where we're at. And if we're sitting this morning feeling this talk is far from where we want to be, that's okay. Because we're on a journey and we can get there. People in Jerusalem couldn't celebrate because there wasn't many people around and it took time for Jerusalem to be repopulated again. So the time was right for that celebration. Father, just come and minister to us. Bring back that joy for those that have lost it. And in our circumstances, if that joy seems so far away, help us just to come in an act of worship and lay ourselves before you because it's not about us, it's all about you. All you're asking is for a willing heart and a willing spirit and you do the rest. Restore that passion for when we first came to you. Father Thank you for your presence this morning, God. Thank you for your love, your peace, your joy. Thank you for meeting with us. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.